is the color? Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. I'm John Bucks, and joining me is my co-host, Brian Chin. Hey, John. Excited to be here with FPL right around the corner. Yeah, we are excited to be back and thrilled to have you join us for the ride ahead as the two of us break down the Premier League in real life and for purposes of fantasy action on a weekly basis. This is going to be the first of three player price preview podcasts. We are going to look at the recent FPL price reveals for both goalkeepers and defenders. We're going to focus on different price ranges that highlight players that we consider to be quality picks for the season ahead in each of these segments. For those new to the FPL game, Brian's going to quickly run through how scoring works for defenders and goalkeepers. Sure thing, Buck. So defenders get four points for a clean sheet, six points for a goal, and three points for an assist. So they have really huge potential to deliver some big 12 and 15 point hauls in any given game weekend. That's something you love to see. Keepers also get four points for a clean sheet, and they get one point per three saves. So those shot-stopping goalkeepers really rack up bonus points along the way. We want to first mention our philosophies on both goalkeepers and defenders. So before we dive into the goalkeepers, Brian's going to quickly discuss how he thinks about recruiting two goalkeepers for his squad, and then I'll jump in with my own. Yeah, so having played FPL for a number of years, I really like to go cheap uh, between the sticks and usually find a set and forget 4.5 or 5.0 goalkeeper and put a 4.0 next to him. So I'm trying to spend anywhere net between 8.5 million to 9.5 million in that pair. And I I usually stay away from the premiums, even though I think there is uh, some value there. So last year, I actually had a kind of a nightmare in transferring goalkeepers in and out, trying to optimize my lineups during the blank game weeks and double game weeks. And ultimately, those transfers would have been used so much better elsewhere looking at outfield attacking players. So I'm really going to try and stick to one or two goalkeeper moves the entire season, which will be focused around using my wildcard chips. So I'm hoping that uh, I don't burn any points along the way on my keepers. What about you, Bucks? What are you thinking? Yeah, great point. I definitely echo the set and forget philosophy. For me, you know, my position is that goalkeeper has the lowest overall score variance. And as much as you want to target the best teams in general for their defense, like a Chelsea, like a Man City, FPL only allows you to have three players from each of these teams at any one time. So you don't want to waste having a goalkeeper that's really going to max get you six, maybe seven or eight points in a game week where you can have an outfield player like that could score a goal that's you know immediately at the same level. So in general, I think I don't want to be totally cheap. I want to have two playing goalkeepers, two number ones in my squad. So that probably means that I'm going to have two 4.5 million keepers in my initial squad and probably throughout the season. So that's going to give me cover for any bad matchups as well as any injuries that might occur in this shortened off-season rush season. So, you know, I just feel like spending that extra half a million to get a starting goalkeeper as a backup is going to be worthwhile in the long run. Yeah, I can understand that point of view. I just think that it's it's sometimes very difficult to determine whether to start, you know, one 4.5 versus the other. And sometimes you'll find yourself having a keeper that plays a top attacking side like Liverpool and they stop a bunch of goals and then they get a lucky clean sheet. And all of a sudden your benched goalkeeper that you thought was a bad choice 
ends up with like 10 points and that while your starter gets two. So I think sometimes that can be tricky, but it does make sense to play it, um, you know, have that actual keeper in the bag so you can choose which one each game week. Hey, that's why people are listening to this podcast, Brian. We're the experts. Yeah, I mean, you've only played one season, but I've been impressed with your uh, your overall ranking. I can't dispute that. So we're here to bring all sorts of different angles to the FPL game. Okay, let's dive into the men that are going to be hopefully brick walls for our fantasy Premier League squads. And let's start with the premium options, starting with Ederson, who's the goalkeeper for Manchester City. I'm a big fan of Ederson in goal just because of his neck tattoos, first and foremost. <laughs> Very interesting to see on a keeper. And second, he's nailed in that side for you know Manchester City. They won in a huge run. He won the Golden Glove last year. And when you're looking at those defensive options on that team, you know he'll always be um, behind in goal. So that does have some you know cachet. But at 6.0 million, or 6.0 million he's not going to face that many actual shots to save because of the way that City play, you know, controlling so much possession, not giving up a lot of big chances. And last season, he had a total of 66 saves, so didn't get very many points from that, and he's actually never really going to be on bonus. So his kind of baseline is going to be six points week in and week out, which definitely adds up, but for me, it's not worth the 6.0 price tag. Any thoughts on Mr. Ederson? Yeah, I agree with you there. It's interesting to look at Ederson and... Ruben Diaz side to side because they're both six million. They're both obviously pretty much locks or as as locked into a lineup as you can be with Pep as your coach uh, for City. But I just think that there's so much more upside with Diaz because he's going to get bonus points and potentially he's going to knock in a couple goals over the course of the season. So uh, I agree with you, Ederson, and and really the premium bracket in general is a stay away for my strategy. But I think. If you come on a wild card and you know they have some favorable matchups, he's someone that's always going to be at least in the recess of my FPL brain because of the allure of a potential Ederson penalty kick, which we were teased with last season. We're still waiting for that damn penalty kick from Ederson to spike a, a 15-pointer. Um, but I, w- I will say he did have uh, and he has had a couple of assists um, because he's one of the most talented a long ball artist in the FPL game and very impressive uh, pass to Gunduan last season that I still keep replaying in my mind when he crosses up the Tottenham defender and slots home a goal and Ederson's like, yes, I made the pass. I got the assist. He's, he's just a, an interesting player. And I think one of the most talented athletes in goal, because he could probably play a defensive mid position if uh, he was so uh, called upon to do so. Yeah. He's a beast and he's on one of the best, two or three defenses in the league. So that's why he's a premium. I think uh, you get your money's worth with him, but you're chasing a higher floor with a lower upside if you go with Ederson. And that brings us really nicely to our next player, Edward Mendy, plays for the team that Brian and I both love, Chelsea Football Club. And he was brought in mid-season last year. And together with Thomas Tuchel, who came in as the new manager for Chelsea, really helped turn the defense around, but also the whole season around. For Chelsea. So, Brian, what's your take on Edward Mendy? Well, last year he was a bit of a bargain because he came into the side at 5.0. And this year he got that bump up to 6.0, truly a premium keeper. 
And he doesn't really stop that many shots, um, especially based on Chelsea's offensive structure and how they, again, keep a lot of possession as well. And they have those rugged defenders keeping the ball away from the box. For me, I don't think it's worth it to spend 6.0 on Mendy when there are other options on Chelsea, again, that will have higher upsides. And we'll get into that in the defenders category. I'm also just a bit irked. I owned Mendy last year and towards the end of the season, I Chelsea doubled up on defense and then all of a sudden Kepa started like two games in a row. And I was just like a couple game weeks. I had no playing keeper for no reason. And obviously Kepa kept both cleans and I was just like in an awkward position. So I, I'm not a fan of uh, bringing Mendy in for FPL, but we'll definitely cheer him on and uh, love his six, six frame in goal for, for the Chelsea blues. Womp womp. Just my quick two cents on this. I think Mendy this season is the clear out and away number one goalkeeper in FPL. I think he's going to get lots of clean sheets. Chelsea have shown that they have great structure and possessing the ball and then out at the back, they're really strong. My one takeaway though, starting the season, building your initial squad is Chelsea do have a really, really tough fixture run into the season. They have some really difficult games to open it up. So he's a stay away for now, but if you are considering an early wild card and you're targeting around maybe week six or seven, that's really when the fixtures flip for Chelsea. And that's something that I have in my consideration right now. And if I do go with that strategy, if my team is good enough to get me to week six or seven and I do wild card at that point, I am going to be probably bringing in Edward Mendy. He's a lock. And again, Chelsea have great fixtures starting at around that week seven mark. So just something to be mindful of as we look at the season as a whole 38 weeks, not just, uh, you know, game week one. Just a note to our listeners, we're not really actually focusing on the kind of season start of all the fixtures. We're really looking at a kind of each player and what their talents are for kind of a season pick and guys that should be on your radar. So just wanted to note that. And um, we'll obviously be following up with a game week one draft podcast uh, down the line in a few weeks. Good point. All right, let's go to our last premium keeper, which is Allison for Liverpool. You mean the goal scoring machine from last season? (laughs) Keeping Liverpool's top four uh, finish alive? He's the goal scoring keeper we all thought Ederson was, isn't he? Well, Ederson hasn't been touched by God, by the hand of God, apparently. Because that's what uh, Allison said in his interviews after he got that uh, amazing header to uh, wrap up a, a win late last season. When we look at Liverpool, I think we're all expecting them to have a much more sound defense because Virgil van Dijk will be back there as the enforcer and allow both Robertson and TAA to really get up the field. So I think you know there is some upside with Allison, but again, at 6.0, it's hard to... Um, it's hard to fit that into your side. He had 84 shots saved last season, which was a rather high for him compared to seasons past. But that was just due to the rotation of these you know, young center backs filling in the side um, with Gomez and Matip and VVD all in and out of the lineup and injured for most of the season. So, um, you know, for me, I'm going to skip him, but somebody to take note again, if you're on one of those free hit chips and you're trying to maximize a, a, a keeper spot because you have extra money, He's somebody always to keep an eye on. And two seasons ago, their defense was absolutely outstanding. So we'll have to see if they can revert to that form. 
Yeah, I'm expecting a huge bounce back from Liverpool from a defensive and overall uh, competitive perspective this season in real life and in the fantasy Premier League game. So I think just Virgil van Dijk being the heart of that defense, when he's back and he's playing, uh, you know you're going to be in and more competitive. You're going to be much more organized. So I think that benefits Allison. I think you know we're going to talk about it, but that benefits everyone across the back line. So, all right. I think that's enough for the premium goalkeepers. Let's jump into our mid-tier. These are players that are priced between 5 and 5.5 million, which it's important to note, this is really where the meat and potatoes of goalkeepers are priced. I would say probably 50, 60% of all goalkeepers are going to be found in this price point. So let's start with Bucks' heartthrob from last season, Mr. Emmy Martinez getting a huge price rise from 4.5 last season to now 5.5. So what do you think about his opportunity this season for the villains? Well, he's just on a complete tear right now. He was backing it up for my fantasy team, getting six points after six points and bonus points off in last season. And he also was backing that ass up, celebrating for the Argentinian national team. He saved... (laughs) He had three incredible saves uh, for five, out of the five penalty shootouts to advance over Colombia and Copa America in the semifinals. Listen, I think <laughs> he's a little too expensive this season. Uh, you know, it's something at 4.5. You can really say like, wow, this guy is over overshooting all expectations. But I think at 5.5, he's a little found out. And I think this season it makes sense to target who we think the next potential Emmy Martinez could be for FPL. So again, I think he's in great form. I expect he'll have a lot of save points this season because we really saw that Aston Villa were found out a little bit in the back half of the season defensively, uh, especially once Grealish went out injured. So I think if Grealish is transferred out potentially to Man City, uh, the team is going to look a lot more like they did in the second half of last season than they are to start mm-hmm. when Emmy really racked up most of his points. So that's just something to be mindful of. Uh, I know he is the most brought in and, and currently most owned keeper in FPL preseason at this point. So I think that's just mostly people kind of riding the good vibes from last season. But we'll see where that ends up to start. Yeah, he's in incredible form. And last season, he actually, between keepers and defenders, he had the most total points, 186 points. His points per million were off the charts and he had 15 clean sheets and 142 saves. So we expect a lot of, a lot more saves this season, but again, without Jack in the side, potentially, I think he gets fouled so much and it helps their defense reset, catch their breath and really go into a staunch, a staunch formation. So I'm a little bit wary too. you know, Buendia is going to be a good addition to the team from a creative outlet, but he's not the same player that Jack Relish is. So, for me, also stay away, but I uh, wish him the best because he was a legend last year, and you and I both rode him through many hot streaks. Woo, legend. That's right. So jumping into somebody who I'm actually very interested in this year is the Frenchman. How do you pronounce his name again, Bucks? Melier, Melier, Melier. <laughs> so he's got a slight bump um, from 4.5 to 5.0 this season. I love Leeds' open style of play, and they will concede a lot of shots in that kind of format. He recorded over 140 saves last season, but I was actually really impressed with the last like 12 games 
last third of the season last year, Leeds kept a lot of clean sheets. They played the top four teams, top six teams, really tight. And I think with a few upgrades across the team, it looks like there's going to be Junior Fergo entering the team instead of Alioski at at left back, potentially a right back. So it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of continue their their style of play. But he's going to save a lot of shots. And I think at 5.0, he could be a set and forget candidate. Yeah, it's a great shout. I think Leeds just play a fearless style of football. So he benefits, again, save points count. And, you know, if Leeds are a solid team, if they put up even a mirror of their campaign that they had last season, uh, he'll be a, a great FPL goalkeeper. And again, $5 million, it's still a little expensive. It's half a million more than $4.5 million for a little quick math. But between him and Emmy, there really isn't that much of a gap in my mind. And I think my bet is that Leeds are going to be a better overall defense than Villa. So I think, you know, Melier has the higher upside. Yeah, plus I think with the amount of saves that he does get, that leads to bonus points. So we saw a lot of eight and nine pointers from uh, the likes of Melier and obviously Emmy last year. But those really add up the fact that these keepers, when they keep a 0-0 or maybe a tight 1-0 victory, that they are in the bonus. Um, There's not a lot of keepers that can actually say that. So those are two guys that, Definitely um, ones to keep an eye on. Now, jumping into the next keeper, which would be Schmeichel. He has been disrespected for so many years, as has the whole Leicester squad. And Bucks, I know we have you know, have a, a lot of respect around this podcast for uh, what Leicester has done. Obviously, they've been in the top four for more weeks than any other team the last two years, yet have not made Champions League. But to no fault of uh, Schmeichel's, I think he's a quality keeper. He had 11 clean sheets and 88 saves last year. And in the Euros for the fairy tale run from Denmark, he looked great. He made some big saves. And I think he's uh, the type of player that at 5.0 instead of 5.5, like he was last year, is worth a shout. What are you thinking here? So this is really interesting. I actually think that unlike outfield players, goalkeepers benefit from playing more. So I think that this deep run for Denmark is going to have really positive inputs on how Schmeichel plays for Leicester come the start of this season. So the fact that he went down in price is really shocking to me. It doesn't seem to make any sense. I think Leicester are going to be strong again this season. They always are really competitive under Brendan Rodgers. He gets the boys to, to line up and play hard each and every game week. My one takeaway and, and why I would be hesitant to bring him in for FPL is because they do have a tough start to the season. However, I think he's he's one of the best five or six goalies in the league. So, uh, And again, Lester are, are stout at the back. So he's definitely someone who's on my radar. He's a little too rich for my blood. But I do think it's like it doesn't make any sense that he got a price reduction. Uh, I think, if anything, he's shown that he is a keeper that's worth spending $5.5 million on, just not from my squad. Yeah, and I think as we dive into some of the other players in the defensive category, there's actually some cheaper defensive assets for Leicester that we'd prefer to potentially have on our squad, which we'll cover in a little bit. So for us, a stay away, but definitely have respect for Schmeichel and just peculiar to see that price uh, go down since they finished fifth in the, the table last year. Yeah, next up is another player who's having a dream Euro campaign, and that's Jordan Pickford for Everton. He's priced at $5 million, and 
I'll just say this first and foremost. I am not a fan of bringing in undersized keepers. I was totally scarred by Keppa for Chelsea <laughs> and Jordan Weren't Pickford. we all, Bucks? Yeah, Weren't we all? Very fair, Brian. That's a good shout. But, uh, you know, I just think that you see signs of where he's lacking, like in the goal that Denmark scored from that free kick. You know, if, uh, if the goalie is 6-4, he's getting to that ball, whereas Jordan Pickford being 6-1, he doesn't get to it. I also think that there's a lot of optimism for some reason around Everton with their new manager all of a sudden being a transformatively great defense. You know, Rafa Benitez is, he's a good hire. He's definitely a good coach, but my sense is that Ancelotti is a better coach. So if anything, that's a coaching downgrade and under Ancelotti, Everton were a bottom half defense overall over the course of the season. So He's a stay away from me. I think Everton have some defensive players who might be worth targeting as opposed to this kind of set and forget keeper that Pickford could be. Yeah, and just to add there, I think there's a lot of pressure that is put on the Everton defense when their midfielders are very injury prone. So you have James Rodriguez. He was in and out of the lineup. It completely changed the structure of how they went and played in different formations. Alan was out a lot of last year as well. And, you know, Sigurdsson isn't getting any younger, younger either. So I think those are complications that push me away from picking Pickford in goal. And every now and then he just does something that makes you scratch your head and look at the TV and be like, why the hell did he do that? Like, what was he thinking? And that's not something I want um, in between the sticks on my FPL team. Like that Jack Grealish wannabe haircut right now. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to be like Jack? He's a, he's a hot lad in uh, in the UK right now. They scream his name wherever he goes. Hot commodity. All right, on to the next one. Uh, that's Dean Henderson. And we should mention David De Gea as well. Both are kind of 1A and 1B keepers for Manchester United. And there's still slight uncertainty about who's going to be the starting number one going into the season. Uh, you know, my sense is that it's Dean Henderson's job to lose at this point. But it's interesting. They're both priced at $5 million even. And, you know, Manchester United have a strong defense, and they, they showcased last season that they are, in fact, a really strong team that's going to be probably in title contention again this season. But, uh, you know, I think that there's so much value to be had in having three outfield United players that that just kind of pushes me away from uh, either of, of the goalies for, for the Reds. Yeah, I think this is a wait-and-see you know, could become an option down the line. They do have an easy start to the season with Leeds, Southampton, Wolves, Newcastle, West Ham. Like, that's pretty appetizing. But we saw at the end of the season between the end of the Premier League plus Europa, they were still undecided on who the number one was. So you don't want any goalkeeper that could be potentially uh, rotated. So skip Man U, save those slots for the likes of Shaw or Wani Biz or obviously they're attacking players. Now let's head into the cheap keeps at 4.5. We're just going to shout out, you know, three or four of the keepers that we're considering. Um, And especially from my perspective, Sanchez at Brighton looks like the player to own. And we're seeing a lot of FPL pundits in the community picking him to start in their FPL teams. Bucks, what are you seeing from Sanchez? Yeah, I'm going to echo the the wisdom of the crowd here. He's going to be my game week one starting keeper. And it's really simple. I think that Brighton have a strong defense. They're going to get one of their 
talisman defenders back in Tariq Lamptey, who was fantastic for them out wide. And, you know, potentially they're going to be losing their third center back option in Ben White. But, you know, the structure stays the same. The coach stays the same. And they play pretty tight. And it's just worth mentioning, this isn't really how I think about the FPL game. But the advanced stats just loved Brighton and specifically loved their defense throughout last season. They were the third rated defense from an advanced stats perspective all of last season, which is shocking considering that they almost were relegated. But that just shows <laughs> that, you know, potentially if some of the luck turns differently this season, that there's huge upside to backing the back line for Brighton. Brian, what's your take here? Yeah, I mean, between Sanchez and I believe Matt Ryan to start the season last year, they totaled 12 clean sheets. So nothing to write home about, but definitely respectable. And I think the Amex is a really tough place to play. That helps, you know, when we look at captain choices, a lot of times we're like, oh, we have Salah at at the Amex. And you actually kind of hesitate in choosing him because it's it really is a tough place to play. And I think if their luck turns the other way this season, they should be closer to you know, 10 to 12 in the table rather than that relegation zone. So he's a he's a, a keeper to put into your squad at 4.5. I'm right there with you. He's going to be my keeper to start um, the FPL season. But Bucks, what I'm really curious for you is you said you're going to start with two 4.5 keepers. Who are you going to put alongside him? Sure. So let's just jump ahead. I think that my second keeper is going to be Daniel Bachman from Watford. So he's priced at 4.5. The, Bach, the Bachman. Wow. Newly newly promoted Watford. Yeah, so he was the starting goalkeeper for the Austrian national team. He really showed me something. He took over for Ben Foster, who's priced at 4.0 right now in the FPL game. And I think he's earned and locked up that spot. Now, we probably don't know as much about the promoted squads, but Watford is a big club. They are having huge history, and they've been up in the Premier League recently. Their calling card is defense. They play tight football. They're not going to be scoring three, four goals in a match, but they're going to be getting a lot of what I think are going to be 1-0 or 2-1 results. Now, whether that's them winning those results or losing those results is something to be discovered. But again, I think he's going to be their number one. And since they pride themselves on defense and He's kind of a set-and-forget backup. I think that he's going to be my kind of go-to from from game week one and potentially throughout the season. He's just someone easy that I know is going to be playing. Yeah, you must have been watching a lot of uh, Austrian football in the Euros because I don't think I've watched a single minute of him. So I'm glad that you're uh, on top of this this shout here. And if you're going to start two 4.5s, I'd be a little bit wary if you're going to rotate in between Sanchez and, and a Watford player. But... Best of luck on that that rotation pairing. Listen, Brighton has to play at Anfield. They have to play at Stamford Bridge. Those are matches where you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my with my head and just start Bachman, no matter who he's matching up with. So that's really my logic. And honestly, a lot of these players have played a ton of football. So I just want to protect myself against potential injuries coming up with the shortened off season. So I think that if you have a 4.0 goalkeeper who isn't going to play it's going to be hard to make a one-for-one transfer to bring in a playing goalkeeper so with that in mind i just really want to be able to have maximum flexibility to get to players who are going to have matches and who are going to have match fitness more importantly 
with just one transfer. That's one of my big kind of lessons from my rookie season last year. Yeah, that's totally a good shout when you think about Watford's early beginnings. They're playing Villa, Brighton, Tottenham, Wolves, Norwich. So you will be able to rotate there. And I think one thing to consider is when you have these newly promoted sides come into the Premier League, they really start out of the gates hot. They have a lot of energy. They're excited to be playing on national TV again, worldwide television schedules. And uh, we've seen teams you know, really start off really hot and then obviously fade as the EPL season grinds them away. So I could see Watford being very competitive in, in the early stages. So that might warrant a, a better rotation for you. All right. Now that we've run through our top keeper options, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with the defenders. We'll be right back. And we're back. We're going to touch on our strategies for setting up our defense before jumping into the evaluation of the best backline players for FPL this season. Brian, take us away. So in seasons past, I've always had a bench fodder guy in my back line, one of those 4.0 players. And we've seen players emerge such as Juan Basaka and Lundstrom's in years past. But after the wild season last year, I really enjoyed having a full playing back line of defenders that I could rotate in and out especially when players picked up cheap knocks and were maybe out for a a week or two. So I'm thinking about having the Rolls-Royce TAA at 7.5. And then I'm thinking about two players in that price range of 5 to 5.5 million, and then rounding it out with two 4.5 starting defenders. So again, I I prefer to pay more money and more budget in those attacking fullbacks that we can find in the game on those good teams. And I don't actually mind having center backs at those 4.5 million slots. So if they're nailed, that really helps. So I think for me this season, I'm going to have a full playing back line and trying to make as few defensive transfers as I can and rotate them in based on their fixture schedule. Bucks, what are your key takeaways and philosophy going into your second season of FPL? Good shouts, Brian. I'm going to echo some of what you said, but uh, my first big takeaway from my first season of FPL is to back the defenders on the best teams. So if you can find Mm -hmm, cheap ways mm -hmm. like last season, Tony Rudiger was a perfect example. He was 4.5 million and he got you a presence who was actually playing most games in Chelsea's defense during their stretch run of good showings. So that's one of my like prime rules. You want to have players on good defenses on teams that are probably going to win. And the second is I want to bet on upside. And that's true across the board, but I think defense is the most important because there's high variance. And the difference between a wing back or a right or left back who's going to actually get an assist or potentially even a goal on even once every five games is going to have so much higher point totals than a center back who you know might get one or two corner kick headers into the back of the net over the course of the whole season. So (laughs) my philosophy is going to be pretty much to have, similar to Brian, five playing guys. Uh, I don't really believe in the bench 4.0 guy, kind of set and forget he's never going to play. I think with COVID, that showed the importance of having real flexibility and fungibility into who can play week in, week out. And I think there's just huge value in the $4.5 million defender Uh, the way that the pricing has come out this FPL season. So there's not going to be a Nathan Ferguson in my team this season, 
But uh, echoing what Brian said, I do think that TAA is almost a must-have. He's premium. He's a potential captain option some game weeks. And, you know, we're both expecting big things from Liverpool. So I'm going to probably have TAA, 7.5 million. We're going to touch on him in one moment. I'm going to have one more luxury player, like uh, 5.5, 6 million. And then I'm going to have three 4.5 million defenders from teams that I'm believing in. So that's my takeaway. And I think with that, we can just dive right into where the pricing came in. And we'll start first with the premium, the luxury car uh, defenders uh, in the back line. And we'll start with TAA because we've already kind of sung his praises. Brian, you want to uh, start with the virtue of Trent Alexander-Arnold? Absolutely. Big fan of this guy. He's been captain in my squad many times over the past few seasons. And him being out of the Euros with that thigh injury kind of sets him up for a better start to this season. And I think that's another reason why we should be looking at having a full playing back line because there might be a little bit more rotation for some of these players that actually went to the Euros this season. So TAA, I mean, what more can you say about an FPL asset? He only had two goals and eight assists last season, but towards the back third, he really dominated on the pitch, scored a goal, also had a few assists along the way, and really was on top of the bonus structure as well. So you'd like to see that as an FPL owner. He totaled 55 shots and had 77 chances created, which was the fifth most of any player last season. And we're expecting that to, once again, hit home for Liverpool, who I think were a bit unlucky last season. You know, Mane and Salah squandered a lot of chances, and I expect them to be even more uh, in tune with each other this season, plus the emergence of Jota as well. I think there are goals in this Liverpool squad all around. So big fan of his. And I know you are two bucks. Yeah, the return of Virgil van Dijk is just going to have tremendous knock-on effects for, I think, the entire roster. So I think they're going to look more solid at the back. There's benefits for TAA. There's also benefits for Andy Robertson. Uh, But I just want to, one quick point on Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, if you had a midfielder who the last two seasons performed the way that TAA did at 7.5 million. He'd probably be up to around 9 million at this point in time. So I still think despite his high price, he is the highest priced defender in the game. I still think he's a relative steal at 7.5 million, which is why Brian and I both think he's a lock in our squads and why he's going to be so popular across uh, fantasy FPL managers, having them as kind of the first name in their team sheets. And honestly, he's a player that you fear if you don't have them going into a weekend when Liverpool is playing a, a Norwich or playing a, you know, a lesser side, you really fear him hauling in a big way. And I think he's just worth the extra 0.5 when you compare him to Robertson, who is at 7.0 this season. He looked a bit ragged towards the end of the year. He played almost every single minute for uh, Liverpool last year. And I think we'll have to wait and see how Liverpool's defense looks to start the season now that they have their core back. If they do come out and dominate and kind of left this hangover of the title behind them from the year previous, I think a a double up could be in the works, but not to start the season. It's definitely a wait and see for me. Bucks, do you see any reason to get Robbo to start the season? Yeah, I I kind of second what you're saying, Brian. I think it's worth just putting out the 0.5 million extra to get Trent Alexander-Arnold because he has the advantage of the set pieces and the corners. And you know, Rabo did play in the Euros, so he's not going to have as extensive a rest. But there is 
part of my brain, kind of just that thinking that if Anfield can return to being the fortress that it was, where Liverpool would host home games and they really would never drop points. And if that comes back with the return of Virgil van Dijk, there's a really strong reasoning to have both these guys anchoring your defense game week in and game week out. So that's the double up. That's worth monitoring. But I agree with you, Brian. I think uh, having TAA and Rabo, you kind of want to spread um, your resources and your defenders across some more teams. So you're not all in on Liverpool. And I know as two Chelsea fans, uh, it's painful for us to to be this glowing about Liverpool. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, head, head and heart are aligned here that uh, from the start, we're both probably going to have TAA. And, and I think we can go on to the next one, uh, which is Ruben Diaz, another uh, foe for Chelsea fans. But uh, he was the Premier League player of the season and he looked incredible. What an acquisition for Man City. He was a rock uh, but I think I'm going to let Brian talk glowingly about Diaz because it goes against my one of my philosophies about having center back. So he's not going to be in my team, but he is locked on. He is nailed in Pep's squad, which is you can't say that about many players. And, uh, you know, we're both expecting big things from him again this season. Yeah, I mean, he truly transformed City's defense last year en route to the title. Just the same way that VVD did when he came into the side for Liverpool. So I'm actually very surprised to see him at 6.0 instead of 6.5, given that he's probably the first name on the team sheet. And it's it's just surprising that he came in last year at 23 years old from a different league and really just did a job for City day in and day out. So I think for me, I don't really mind that he's not as attacking. I think he'll actually probably nab one or two more goals this season through the air on some of those set pieces. So I think he's definitely a good shout. And when you're looking at City, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of teams with no City assets right now. And that's just very surprising given that they do have some interestingly priced players. So I think a way to get into that side would be through Ruben Diaz. Yeah, and I think I can say this confidently. I think there's no situation where I see Man City not being one of the top four or five teams at the end of this Premier League season. So... (laughs) Uh, again, you want to be backing the teams that are going to get the results. And, you know, Diaz is so central to that defense and he's going to play. So for $6 million, I agree with you, total bargain. But again, it's it's where can you allocate your resources for your Premier League team? I'm not going to make the stretch for Diaz, but, you know, maybe one of these next guys who are two Chelsea men, uh, which is Ben Chilwell and Cesar Aspilicueta, who are also both priced, interestingly, at $6 million. Um, but it's worth mentioning there's significant difference early season schedule between Man City and Chelsea. Chelsea have a real, they have a tough, brutal opener to the season. And so that's a reason to maybe avoid Chelsea and be a little patient. Uh, but if there's one of those two, Aspie just went deep into the Euros with Spain. He looked really good, candidly. But I would be backing Ben Chilwell. I think he is a player who's earned Tuchel's trust. And we saw at the end of last season just how attacking and how spectacular he could look bombing forward. Um, any thoughts on Chilwell or Aspilicueta, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big Chile fan. I had him early in my squad last season when Frank Lampard was the manager, and he was nailed you know, in that wing back spot. However, moving forward, when Tuchel came in, there was a bit of rotation, but I think He's definitely the first choice at left back uh, for for Chelsea in that spot. And 
for me, kind of thinking about Aspie, you know, I think he's going to rest against some of these easier teams. You know, we need him for the most important Champions League games and the most important matchups in the Premier League. So I, I expect him to be rotated a little bit more and rested given his age plus his deep run in, with Spain. So Chilwell would be my choice out of those two. But like you said, their start to the season is it's very uh, dramatic. So I would uh, I would go a City defender route first instead of Chelsea and kind of wait until game week six or so when their, their uh, fixtures change. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into the economy plus options, the defenders who are priced in the middle of the road between 5.5 and 5 million. Yeah, not all of us can afford those Rolls Royce uh, cars out there. So we love the economy plus around here. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the FPL Blues podcast. Now we're going to dive into the economy plus options, starting with Cresswell and Dean, both at 5.5 million. I'm excited that Dean got a little price reduction from 6.0 to 5.5 this season, with both having those high upside attacking threats on those set pieces, and for us, on corners and free kicks sometimes as well. Bucks, who do you like between these two players? Sure. So I have to say Cresswell was incredible last season. He is a luxury player where he's always making those free kicks into the box and had great success. I think he had 11 assists, which was leading the charge for defenders last season, which is incredible for a player who at the time was priced at $5 million. And I, I, of course, I, of course, got him when he got injured and I got zero assists of those 11. So that was a tough uh, pill for me to swallow last year. So I'm a little bit uh, wary of getting Cresswell in to start the season. This for year. sure, for sure. I guess... For both these players, I'm I'm gonna not back them. I want to see it to believe it. I want to see them repeat some of the success they had last season. My main concern is not with either of these players specifically. It's more with the teams and the units as uh, as a defensive class that they're part of, namely West Ham and Everton. I just think we saw West Ham really fall apart down the stretch run of last season. They started leaking goals and scoring a lot of own goals uh, to make matters worse. And and then with Everton, they have, you know, they were below average for most of the season. And then there's all this optimism that's currently out in the, in the universe about their new hire of Rafa Benitez, who, listen, he's a great manager, but I have to say, I think there's a little over enthusiasm because if I'm being truly honest, I think he's a half step, if not a full step down from Carl Ancelotti, who was their previous manager, who really seemed to unlock something in the Everton side to start the season last year. So both teams have good fixtures to start. So there is reason to be, uh, you know, betting on Dean and Cresswell to have strong openings to the season. And then you can bank some additional 0.1, million price rises. But, you know, it's, it's not meant to be on my team. I'm not a believer here. How about you, Brian? You know, you say there's a lot of enthusiasm around uh, Rafa Benitez, but I think uh, Everton forums say otherwise. They're going to be having uh, words with him if he gets off to a slow start at Everton. So I'm expecting them to play relatively defensively. And Dean, you know, he has goals in him. I think two seasons ago, he had like three or four goals, a couple on set pieces, and he didn't have any last year. So I'm just kind of curious if he uh, he nabs a few in open play this year. Um so that'll be interesting to see if he can put in some extra points for us as FBL managers. 
One last thing, Brian, that we talked about uh, offline was, you know, it's just Everton is something to monitor because their midfield, it was so essential and they, they were on fire. James Rodriguez had a banger start to last season. And then obviously injuries caught up with him as they tend to do. And Gilfie Sigurdsson, he's a year older than he was last season. So there's even more miles on those legs. So I, I thought he was old last season. <laughs> <laughs> that's very fair. So, you know, I think that that's something to be a little cautious about because obviously you need link up play between defense midfield to get the ball into the opponent's half. And I think that Everton might actually struggle to control play even more so than they did last season. So I think with that, we can go on to the next player we want to highlight. Which is Luke Shaw, England's number one left back, which is not something I thought I was going to say two years ago. Really impressed with his game and the way he's transformed himself. He's kind of got like that boxy, you know, Shakiri type of body type, but he, he gets up and down the pitch on the left flank and He's been doing wonders for, for this England squad in the Euros. And I think he's actually probably a little bit underpriced. I thought he might come in at 6.0, given how successful of a season Manchester United have. And they have lots of attacking assets to get on uh, the end of his great crosses from the left side. So very, very curious to see him come in at 5.5, which is the same price as his teammate Juan Basaka. Interestingly enough to note, Juan Basaka did have 20 more points than Shaw last year, but mainly due to uh, you know a few injuries along the way for Shaw. I think I'd be a little bit wary based on how many minutes he's playing for England to bring him right in, but Manchester United have such an easy fixture run to start the series, so that's something that's definitely caught my eye. And I think at this point, they have Alex Tellez behind him. They can probably fully rest Shaw, so I think I might actually start the season with him, understanding that, Ole might give him a full rest, and then if he doesn't start, somebody from my bench can. What are your thoughts on Shaw? Yeah, I agree. I, he's been super Shaw for the last uh, about 18 months now. He's been incredible. He actually led the Premier League in touches inside the opponent's half for defenders last season, which is a crazy stat because United, you know, like Brian said, they have tons of attacking options. So the fact that they have one of their wingers actually kind of dominating possession in the opponent's third is is something that you wouldn't think because United really aren't such a possession-based team in general compared to the Chelsea's and the cities of the league. Uh, that being said, I, I do want to mention that there is reason for concern here because of all the minutes he's been logging and especially with the shorter offseason. But like Brian mentioned, I think there's just huge upside. He is mispriced, I feel like, at 5.5 million. And for that reason, he's a lock in my team next to TAA. He's one of the first names uh, that I secured. He delivered for me last season. I'm expecting him to deliver in a big way again this season and for Manchester United. Now let's talk about one of his England teammates, John Stones, who's coming at 5.5 million. Slightly cheaper than Ruben Diaz, but probably not going to be nailed in Pep squad. I think there's going to be some rotation, especially after the Euros between Laporte and Stones, but he had a great goal scoring year last year. I think that was one of the FPL highlights was when John Stones bagged a 20 point brace. And I obviously remember not having him and I was devastated that day. But for me, I think he could offer value down the line, but is going to need a little bit of rest as Pep rotates a little bit to start the season to get these guys uh, from the Euros uh, fresh again. Yeah, one thing, it's interesting that John Stones is 5.5 million and 
Jao Cancelo, another uh, Manchester City defender who has significant rotation risk, is 6.0. So I think that if I was in charge of the FPL pricing, I would have had Ruben Diaz at 6.5, John Stones at 6, and Cancelo at 5.5. And then you'd really have to you'd have to have a hard look at which of those players made it into your roster. But uh, at 5.5, I agree with you, Brian. It's a little too rich for the rotation risk that exists with John Stones. And again, there's a lot of football at this guy's log. He hasn't rested a single minute of England's magical run to the finals of Euro 2021. So I think with that, we can jump to the next players that we want to just touch on, which is Tony Rudiger and Reese James, who are both priced at 5.5 million. You know, it's interesting. I think they're going to log a lot of minutes. There's a little bit of contract uncertainty with Tony Rudiger. Reese James potentially could be playing at midfield as kind of a, a wing back in front of Aspilicueta. We saw a little bit of that under Tuchel to end last season. So I think these two players offer good value, but I'm just nervous that they're not quite nailed in the system. I think Rudiger is a little more so than Reese James, but has a little bit less upside. So, you know, I think these are both passes for me, but my heart as a Chelsea fan really wants to find a way to have Reese James in my squad uh, as we get towards the end of this season. I think he's just going to emerge as the starlet of a player that he really is. Yeah, he's super talented, I think, from FPL perspective. It's just annoying because he does come on for those one-point cameos. Whereas if you just go with Rudiger from the start, he's either going to start the match or he's going to be fully rested in that position on the team. So I'd stay away from both of these guys, but there will be a, a time where we bring in um, one of them because I, I do like their price points and they think they can offer a lot of value. Moving down the road in the economy efficient car that we have, we're looking at the 5.0 players now. And one of those is Sioux Fall who had a great Premier League debut uh, coming in, did really well at the Euros. I was impressed with him. He had a couple assists along the way, and they had a pretty uh, solid run. He's at 5.0, which is you know half a million cheaper than Cresswell, and I think he's actually more attacking in the open flow of a game. Cresswell relies on those set pieces, and he's a little bit older, so he doesn't get up and down the pitch as much, whereas Sufal is bombing down the right. I can count at least five times where I thought he was going to score a goal last season, and unfortunately did not. So I think he's just somebody to definitely keep an eye on and um, a little bit less injury prone as well compared to Cresswell. Yeah, Vladdy C, he's a beast. I think uh, he's going to be someone who I really took note of middle of last season. And he's just emerged as a player you can't take your eyes off of during the Euros. Uh, he plays really attacking football. And I love his work rate. That's something that you're going to hear me talk uh, a lot uh, if you become a regular subscriber to this podcast. And he's always making those runs, as Brian mentioned. So I think he's an interesting player to have on your watch list. He won't be on my squad, just he's a little too expensive at five. But uh, I think that brings us nicely. There are some really good attacking players at this $5 million price bracket, and including the next one, which is going to be Kieran Tierney for Arsenal. To my eyes, he was actually one of the best players for Arsenal when healthy last season. And, you know, the only thing really holding him back from being nailed on and, you know, one of the emerging talents and studs of, of the Premier League is his injury luck, which has been, you know, mixed to say the least. So I think if healthy, he's priced at potentially a steal at $5 million, considering the way that he bombs forward and his crosses. 
And just the way that I think Arsenal are going to score more goals, I just think it's it's they're bound to be more attacking this season as opposed to last season, which was a total dud. So, Brian, you have any takes about Kieran Tierney or Arsenal's defense in general? Oddly enough, I'm also relatively high on this Arsenal squad. I really like the way that they finished the season last year. And Tierney is a type of guy who's just coming into that, you know, 24, 25 year prime where he's really going to try and prove that he's one of the best players in the English Premier League. So I'm, I'm expecting big things from him. I am definitely worried about his injury history. And that's something, you know, again, I, I don't want to spend very many transfers on defense this year if I can. So I might consider starting the season with him, but if he picks up a few knocks, he's going to be removed from my watch list and I'll just have to, um, you know, go on without him. But, you know, Ben White might be on the way. He could be very uh, reliable. I think we'll touch on him in a little bit, but their defense, I think, is is changing a bit with holding also nailing down a spot, getting a little bit younger. And I think just in general, I expect more things from Arsenal this season uh, with Pepe emerging at the end of last season as well. So, Something new to keep in mind when we go um, you know, into the FPL season. Yeah, they're getting younger and more athletic across the board. And I think that's something that's promising for Arsenal fans. And also just for the casual fan, I think Arsenal is going to be a much more fun watch this season than they were last season. All right, Brian, I'm going to let you take the next one, which is Lewis Dunk. He's your boy. I know I know you have something for the tall center backs who are uh, who are talented in the air. So uh, why don't you tell us the virtues <laughs> of Lewis Dunk at five million? I mean, I know you love your Nike Dunks too, Bucks. So don't don't oh, act like true. I'm the that's only true. one that that's likes true. likes a, a dunk around here. I am a basketball player, so I, I do appreciate the last name being Dunk. I also just like his his arm uh, sleeve, his tattoo sleeve. I think it looks pretty good on him. And he's, uh, you know, was the leading goal scorer in FPL last year with five goals. And he's a threat from the air, has good height on him. From time to time, he takes a free kick. Uh, I can definitely remember a season or two ago where he scored a free kick against Liverpool when they, like, quote-unquote, weren't set. And it just went underneath because there was no sleeper. And he scored. Um, So he's an interesting player. He's the captain of that team. And if we're high on Sanchez, like we have said before, I think he's a good option as being overlooked right now. A lot of people are looking at Lamptey at 4.5, which we'll touch on in a few moments here, but I think there's actually value in getting the nailedness and the healthy uh, dunk on your squad. Yeah, that's shocking, actually, that he was the leading goal scorer uh, for defenders last season. I did not know that, and uh, that's an interesting tidbit. I just think we're both on the same mind that Brighton is going to be a good defense there, darlings of the advanced stats. And similar to Anfield being a fortress, you know, the Amex tends to be a really strong place, uh, tough place to play for opposition coming in there on the on the coast. So actually, just one more thing to add here, Bucks, when you're looking at, you know, Dunk, he had five goals last year, six points a pop. Right. So that equals 30 points that he brought to the table from his attacking threat. That's the equivalent of 10 assists. So I think it's really interesting to look at some of those center backs who we really trust in the premier league and have that aerial threat because they sometimes get overlooked. It's hard to predict when you get headed goals, but there are a few guys that we can pinpoint to uh, in the premier league that we believe have that attacking intent, like a Harry Maguire through the air. You just know that he has the ability to get in the right position and finish those crosses. So I think dunk is of that mold. So I just wanted to point that out as well. 
Okay, on to the next player, and this is going to be the last 5 million defender that we're going to highlight. And he's actually a new addition to the Premier League, straight out of Barcelona's B team. Uh, he wasn't getting a lot of playing time, but Junior Firpo is an interesting addition for Leeds. I mean, we know they love to play attacking football, and I think he's going to come right into the squad and replace Alioski at fullback. And there's something to be said. He has young legs at 24, and we're going to really get to see this this guy's talent on display at Leeds. He's going to be playing Bielsa ball. He's going to be running and bombing up and down the pitch. And I think there's nothing but upside. If he's the real deal, he's going to have an excellent opportunity to showcase that in Leeds' system. So I think that's an interesting price point. I think Leeds have enough proven players in the Premier League where you probably are just going to take a wait and see on Firpo. But as a differential, I kind of love the appeal of Junior Firpo. We saw what Stuart Dallas could do being an attacking-minded defender in Leeds' system. And at $5 million, it's a little expensive. You know, you'd prefer to have Dallas at 4.5. But if he can replicate what Stuart Dallas brought to the table this season... Five million is going to look like a steal by the end of game week thirty-eight. Yeah, definitely interesting to see if he just nails down that spot immediately. I watched a lot of Leeds as did you last season, and I just felt like Alioski was just not quite a quality player. He found himself in the right positions, but his finishing was terrible. Some of his crosses were really bad, and I think if Firpo can take his game to the next level, coming out of Barca and really using this time to bring himself into. Uh, the mix here at Leeds, he could be an interesting candidate to have on your watch list. Alrighty, we're going to take a quick break here and we're going to jump to the budget beauties, all the 4.5 players that we're considering, and then we'll wrap up the pod. We'll be right back. And we're back. We're going to dive straight into the final section of our player price reveal podcast. And that's going to focus on budget defenders. And the first one we want to highlight is Ailing from Leeds. Uh, we just finished with a Leeds player in the kind of mid-price section, Junior Firpo. But I think Ailing is an interesting consideration. They have some, they have a challenging opening to the season, but right around game week six, almost to the end of the first half of the season, they have some friendly fixtures to say the least. And Ailing is someone who you might actually skip over, but despite having zero goals and zero assists last season, he actually is really <laughs> involved going forward for this attacking side. So, Oh man, this, this is an interesting one because all the advanced stats say in his XA, his expected assists were off the charts for the whole season. And yet he ends up with two donuts in goals and assist totals, which is hard to do when he played 3,399 minutes. I, I like his man bun. I respect him on the pitch. He just was a player that a lot of people were comparing you know, Dallas to, and obviously Dallas became the darling. So I think he should get a little bit luckier, quote unquote, you know, this season and, and nail a few uh, you know, assists along the way for an attacking side like Leeds. At 4.5, he's definitely a good shout. I think it'll be somebody I consider on my first wild card. Yeah, I actually think he's going to be in my squad to start this season potentially. Again, he's he's nailed in. He's only four point five million, and and Leeds shows up to those tougher matchups. So, in the event that some of my other guys get rested, I think that 
he's someone who I won't mind, and I know he's going to play. So I, I like that guaranteed nailed-onness that he has. And I think this brings us to one of the most popular FPL darlings, which is Fofana from Leicester. Uh, I, he's also priced at $4.5 million, And I know Brian and I... Very surprising. Yeah, we spoke about this offline, but I'm just going to echo it here. I thought this was actually a mistake when we first saw the price reveal when it went live because he is the most locked in of the Leicester defenders. He's young, he bombs forward, and he played more, he had more appearances than any of the other backline running mates for Leicester, which is a top squad. So I just feel like there's no respect for Leicester across the board. And he's going to make some dumb, brash tackles. We saw that when he took down <laughs> Timo Werner. You know, he makes some mistakes, but I think his upside and the fact that he is nailed on to what we expect is going to be a top team is going to make him a lock in my squad to start the season. But he's also going to be really popular, I think, across the board for FPL managers to start the season. What's your take on him, Brian? Yeah, I was also just, like I said, surprised to see him come at 4.5 because Castagna came in at 5.5. So to have a million dollar difference there, it really tilts the scales to go to a more budget-friendly option in Fafana. You know, he's going to probably, you know, we think he's starting next to Evans, you know, day in and day out. And we respect Leicester. They've, they've clearly established themselves as one of the you know top five sides in the Premier League and have leapfrogged, frankly, you know, the likes of Tottenham and Arsenal. So I think this is a great value and somebody I will either start the FPL season with or uh, definitely have at the top of my watch list if I'm swapping out any defenders. Yeah, absolutely. Agree with that uh, in full in full force. All right, on to the next player, which is Tariq Lamptey, former Chelsea player, now one of the most exciting players at Brighton Hove Albion. And we'd already touched on this. We don't have to talk about it too much again, but Brighton is one of the darlings of advanced stats. They were one of the stingiest defenses last season. And when healthy, Tariq Lamptey looked the part. He dominated on the wing and he went forward a lot and he drew a couple penalties and also had a number of assists. So he has huge high upside. I think he's going to be a lock in my team as well to start this season because they have favorable fixtures. And again, because he is so attack minded, um, I just think 4.5 million, he's a no brainer. Um, and in the way that I like to play the game, uh, he's someone that if they have bad matchups, he'll be on the bench, but, I'm confident that if he plays and they have a favorable matchup, he's going to be getting points. Yeah, I'm not as hot on uh, Tariq with a Q. Um, I really am a little bit concerned that he's just a very small and fragile player. He's got some hamstring issues that were lingering for at least half a season. He only played 880 minutes last season. So this could go both ways. Maybe he'll get over his injury bug and he's had a full season in the Premier League, he knows what he's up against and maybe on how to pace himself a little bit. You know, I think that was one thing that we see with some of the young guys that come into the squads for the first time. They're just, you know, running around frantically, using their bursts when they probably don't even need to. And sometimes that can really help your hamstring take a vacation. So I'm going to stay away. But, um, you know, at 4.5, he's definitely appealing. And like you said, we like, we like Brighton this season for these budget-friendly defenders. Brian, I didn't realize you were a FPL QAnon supporter uh, with the Tariq with the Q, but uh, let's move on to the next <laughs> group of players, which is uh, two Burnley defenders, 
in Charlie Taylor and Loughton, who are both priced at $4.5 million. Brian, you want to take this? Look, Burnley, frankly, were disappointing last season. They're supposed to be very staunch in the back line, and I thought they had a really disappointing season. Um, personally, I will not be going anywhere near these guys. I thought that from a goalkeeper perspective, we didn't talk about them, but Pope came in at 5.5. You know, I think that was more of a historical nod to him, but I, I just I haven't seen it. I thought at the last you know third of the season, we saw them be a lot more tacking through Vidra and uh, Mr. Wood up front. So I think they're kind of in a weird transition phase where they're trying to maybe reestablish their identity as an attacking squad. You know, these two guys are our fullbacks, wingbacks, and they're going to go up the pitch. But um, for me, I'm, they're definitely stayaways at this point in time. Yeah, too much unknown around Burnley. I think uh, Sean Dyche, he's a proven Premier League coach, but he's nothing to get excited about. I mean, as a casual fan, you're never going to be like, oh, Burnley's on as the feature match. Yeah, we got to tune in. So I think, uh, <laughs> you know, for that reason and also for FPL purposes, kind of having low upside uh Burnley in general, I think, are just a team to avoid to start the season. Another team I would normally, you know, skip out on would be Wolves. But Connor Cody at 4.5 is definitely an option. You know, he's a very impressive player organizing their defense. And we're expecting some bounce back, too, I think, from Wolves. They had such an up-and-down season. The Jimenez injury just derailed everything. They lost their identity. Neto picked up some injuries. And I think they're going to stabilize a little bit this season. I personally don't know much about their new manager. Um, I don't know if you do Bucks, but you would assume that they kind of play a little bit more, a little less aggressive to start the season. So their defense might be very strong. They do have tough matches, though. Leicester, Tottenham and United in kind of three of the first five. So um, definitely somebody on the watch list for me. Yeah, agreed. I'm not so familiar with the new manager, but I'm not surprised at all to see that Wolves actually recently just brought in another Portuguese player. they seem to oh, another Portuguese player. It's like wow. it's like the never saw it coming. Uh, it's like the Portuguese national team outlet store uh, at Wolverhampton. So uh, Cody, he's not going to make the cut for me again. He's a center back, but I just think that there's only up to go for Wolves. Uh, they have a they have a talented roster. They are a little thin um, if they do suffer the injury bug again this season, but. I think they're going to be much more competitive coming into this this season than they were last. I think they just they were one of the most unlucky teams uh, regarding getting injuries to their their most critical players. So I think if Connor Cody stays healthy and if Wolves kind of have a resurgence in form, that this could be a really interesting player to get early uh, before he kind of gets the price rise and gets all the momentum around backing him and the squad. Now we're going to jump into two more center backs, actually, including White, who is currently at Brighton, but rumored to have an Arsenal transfer come through very soon. He's a pretty quality player, and at 4.5, I am definitely have my eyes on him. And then also his potential center back pairing, uh, Rob Holding, who I had at the end of last season at 4.5 as well. He did really well for me. I thought he was a solid addition to that back line, kind of took over for David Luiz, who is you know in the twilight years. And I think it's his his spot. Uh, he had a couple seven to nine pointers for me, solid on bonus, you know, a couple headers, but not going to give you any assists. So just a couple of players to round out your team, especially if Arsenal do look like they're maybe a top eight team this season versus seasons past. Any other things to add here, Bucks? Yeah, I think that if Ben White's transfer goes through to Arsenal, 
that is a really interesting player to bring in. I think he's going to be locked because of the price that he's going to come in at. They're talking around $50 million transfer fee, which is wild because... Whoa, 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 whoa. 50? Yeah. You're telling me 50 million for Ben White? So I think there's there's reason to say that, listen, he's an English player, so you get the kind of homegrown player perk of, of allowing it. But he's going to play. If they get him for that fee, you know he's going to be locked in. And so I think next to Rob Holding, again, this is a, a situation where Arsenal are getting younger and they're getting a little more athletic. So I think Ben White is has more upside than Rob Holding. But again, Rob Holding's already in the squad. He already knows the system. So there's something to be said about uh, you know betting on the sure thing. Um, that's all I have to say about the Arsenal defenders. I think Kieran Tierney is worth the 0.5 million if you can swing it over either of these guys. But uh, you know you need 4.5 million players to fill out your squad. And I think that brings us to the last two players we want to just touch on, which are two $4 million players. Brian and I are not going to be setting up our squads with any bench fodder kind of wildcard players who aren't going to see the field. But there is potential that Mankio at $4 million for Newcastle could be a potential starter. I don't really know anything else about him other than he could play for Newcastle. <laughs> not such an exciting... He just makes me want to say, Mankio, Mankio which is like close to butter. Manquila, I believe, is butter in Spanish. So if he's, you know, smooth as butter out there on the field at 4-0 and he's getting some starts, I might have to consider him. Yeah, but, you know, he plays for Newcastle. That's not a defensive stalwart of a team. Uh, and then the last one we do want to mention is Brandon Williams. He's a young player. He's buried on the depth chart at Manchester United. But there are a lot of reports and rumors circling a potential transfer move within the Premier League. So if he gets loaned out and he actually comes to a team, say like a, like a Norwich or a Watford, and he's going to get regular minutes, I think that's the only reason you'd really consider him. $4 million to have a player who's actually going to see regular time is a steal and something that you don't come around often in the FPL game. I even know that as a rookie. So if you can find a $4 million player who's nailed, that's someone who has to be in your squad. Doesn't matter if they have low upside. It's just the fact that you know that they can come in from your third bench spot and actually add value to your team. So just something we wanted to mention. And I think with that, we're wrapping up our goalkeeper and defender evaluation. Brian, anything you want to add before we get out of here? You're no longer a rook. You just called yourself a rook. You're in your sophomore campaign now, Bucks. You're moving up in the high school class system here in the U.S., and uh, we're looking forward to your second season. But, yeah, thank you very much for joining us, everyone. We're really excited to bring you this first of three-player price preview pods. Wow, that's a mouthful, but I, I nailed it there. Um, please make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FPL Blues Podcast. We're getting this thing off the ground. Welcome to the journey with us. We like to engage with our fans and our community and our mini leagues. So please uh, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're looking forward to coming at you soon with our midfielder extravaganza pod. Oh, yeah. Thank you, everyone. Subscribe and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.